Welcome to Pod to the Rescue, a podcast from Summit Dog Rescue in Boulder, Colorado. I'm Emily. And I'm Libby. We're both professional dog trainers with multiple certifications in dog training and behavior. Together, we have more than two decades of experience in dog rescue. We want to share everything we've learned along the way with other folks involved in dog rescue, sheltering, fostering, and adoption, and anyone who just loves dogs. Rescuing the dog is just the first step. We are here to help with everything that comes next. Hello, listeners, and welcome back to Pod to the Rescue. I'm Libby. And I'm Emily. And we are doing something a little different today. We are recording live on YouTube, which we've never done before. Because we wanted to, we've been wanting to talk about training tools for a really long time. And we decided to that video would be a better medium than just having our audio podcast as usual. So we are we've never done a live before, but here we are. We're going to figure it out as we go along. This might be a little casual. (laughs) Yep. And if you're listening on your regular podcast platform, you can go to our channel, um, put in YouTube pod to the rescue, and then you can come and see some of the the materials that we're discussing because we're going to be featuring them like Vanna White. Yeah. Show and tell a little show and tell. tell. Yeah. (laughs) So um, some listeners who are really in the dog world might hear the term training tools and you might know a little bit about us from listening and you might be thinking training tools. What? What are we talking about here? And yes, we are being a little tongue in cheek. because there are a lot of folks who say, oh, you can't train without tools. And what they mean by that is shock collars, prong collars, things like that. Choke Um, chains. Yes, yeah. And my response is always, I use a ton of tools in training. (laughs) I have a closet full of training tools, just not the same training tools that you're talking about. So we we wanna showcase what we do use. What we do use and what we use, like if we know we have a foster dog coming in or a new rescue dog, there's certain things that we think most people should have on hand or at least consider having on hand before they bring their dog home so that you're well prepared. So we're going to be covering things like harnesses and leashes, but also X-pens and different ways to create a safe environment for your dog when you first bring them home. Yeah, this is like a a wish list of really useful stuff to have um, when you're bringing a new foster or a newly adopted dog into your home. And by no means is this list exhaustive or, um, you know, you don't have to go out and buy all of this stuff, but it's just what we find to be the most helpful consistently um, across all of the dogs in our rescue. All right, should we jump right in? Sure. Okay, Emily, do you want to start with like, the most important and useful and like everyday tools that you use or should we like go backwards i'm thinking i'm thinking like if i was prepping to pick up a new dog tomorrow Mm -hmm. like what would i be um, what would be in my like list of things i needed to prepare Mm -hmm. so i was thinking of even starting with what i think is the most important one if you're getting a dog from a shelter or transport situation um and you're all going to be stunned because it's not something you would ever recommend in any other case, but mm-hmm. it's a slip lead, mm-hmm. um, which is like basically a noose. You could also get a martingale collar, but um, 
we can't even, the transport won't even let us take the dog off transport unless we provide them with our slip lead. And the reason for that is I have personally stood there in the parking lot where dogs escape from transport and were never seen again. And I know people, and there was one foster in our rescue who lost a dog that was never seen again. And it happens and they come in and their body is hijacked by fight or flight and, you know, hormones. And if they go into flight, you might never see them again. So keeping them safe is probably your number one goal when you get them off transport. Yeah. And Emily, why, why is a slip lead helpful for that as opposed to a regular leash and collar? Yeah. And because they can back out of a regular collar, I've seen it. Um, and they can unfortunately even back out of a harness. We've had it happen in the rescue where they're panicked and they can just kind of like you can get a tight shirt over your head or a bathing suit over your head and it's uncomfortable, but you can do it. You can slip, you can back out of a harness if you're panicked Mm -hmm. and same thing with a collar. So the slip lead, if they start to back and pull away, it tightens, which is like absolutely what we not want, don't want to do is to then choke them, but better that than they get hit by a car or God only knows what happens. Right. In order to actually rescue these dogs and place them in homes, we have to safely get them from A to B. And so having that slip lead um, is really important. It's also, and even once you have your dog trained to wear a harness and they're used to that and they know how to walk on leash, if your dog is a flight risk or they are noise sensitive or something like that, you can use a slip lead as an added layer of safety, Mm -hmm. you know, going into the vet or um, if for, you know, some reason you need to cross a busy street or something like that. Like we never want to put our dogs in situations that are going to scare them, but sometimes we have to, we have to bring our dogs to the vet. Um, If your dog is a flight risk, having their leash attached to a harness plus a slip lead is just that extra layer of safety. They do make like little connectors. I don't have one here to show, but I think places like trailblazing tails make a little clippy connector where you can clip from the harness onto a martingale collar, mm-hmm. which would same as a slip lead tighten. Mm-hmm. What's nice about the martingale is it won't keep tightening. It gets to a certain level and then it stops tightening. Um, anyway, that's another option because mm-hmm. yeah, I had that dog Layla years ago and she had fireworks sensitivities and it was during the pandemic when people would like every day at 5 PM put out, put out like massive fireworks. Do you remember that? Yeah. And I had a bad situation with her where thank God I had that backup collar Mm because we were out on the trail like a mile from anywhere and the fireworks were so extreme that she panicked. And Mm. I was glad that I had that extra level of safety for her. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's super important. Um, And a slip lead is something I pretty much have one in all of my vehicle, like my, my car, Jason's car, just in case we're out and about and there's a loose dog running (laughs) across the road, you know, and if I can happen to get a slip lead on that dog, um, first of all, it's safer for me than trying to like fumble if they have a collar on to try to connect a leash. Mm -hmm. You don't know, you know, if you see a loose dog running around, you don't know anything about this dog. Um, And then, you know, if, if you're trying to 
find a dog's help a dog find his way home like having a slip lead easy just slip over they can't back out they can't escape you know Love once it. you have that dog yeah you know you have that dog safety first and then i would say the next thing that we would have as soon as we get the dog home is um probably i would fit it for a harness so that i could take it out to potty without a lot of undue stress yeah 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 we have we have a training basics episode i think it goes back to season one right um um, all about harnesses and why we use them. And we'll put that link in the show notes. And definitely, if you haven't heard it, go back and listen to it. But we are big, big advocates for harnesses. Um, and all of our fosters, we provide them with a harness. All of our dogs are adopted with that harness. Um, and there are some harnesses that we prefer over others, right? Mm-hmm. And you've got one right there. That yeah. We love, okay. The blue so, nine. Yeah. So Mr. Fritzy here is modeling the blue nine balance harness and he should really be wearing like a small or an extra small, but I only yeah. had an extra, I only had a medium here to model. Um, yeah. But what I love about the blue nine harness, well, a few things. So first of all, it is, you can kind of see that it goes, um, across their breastbone, the dog's breastbone. It doesn't impede forward movement of the dog's forelegs. So it doesn't go across the shoulders. Um, it allows for that free range of motion. Um, super important. It has a front clip. It also has a back clip. And then a really cool feature about this one is that it has all of these straps that you just are all of these clips that you just unclip and it never has to go over the dog's head. Mm, so this I is a that. great harness if your dog is head shy and doesn't really like something going over their head, um, which a lot, I, I think a lot of dogs are head shy, but especially mm -hmm. rescue dogs and especially dogs who are new to a harness, you know, maybe adult dogs, they've never seen something like that in their life. Um, so that's one reason I really, really love the Blue Nine Balance harness. Yeah, that's a great harness. Um, that, oh, go ahead. That's just something you always want to look for in a harness is does it impinge that front shoulder? Yeah. Because if the front shoulder is being restricted, that's probably not great long term for your dog's mobility. Yeah, you know, I and you can even tell watching a dog's body language when they're wearing one of those harnesses that really binds their shoulders together uh they they just don't look comfortable <laughs> yeah. they and and that's going to affect all of their behavior and yeah. and you just want your dog to feel safe bottom line and if they don't feel safe in their body how can they feel safe comfortable in your home safe. yeah um you and know, you it's kind of like if you're if you wear a bra, like wearing a too tight bra, <laughs> like it just ruins your day. You know what I mean? <laughs> that, that is true. Um, and then the other harness we really like is the rough wear. Oh, yeah. I have that one, too. And I think we usually use the front range. I want to get the flag line and try that. That's one, one of my goals for 2024. It's uh -huh. longer. It has an extra strap. And I think oh. it might be better for having like a flight risk potential okay i haven't looked into that one but i will yeah um so the front range it does go over the head let's see if 
little fritzy here can help us demo even though it's not the right size so you do have to go over the head but again and you know this is two sizes too big for little fritz here um and daisy's like uh that's my harness what are you doing <laughs> um but you can see that it goes across their breastbone and then underneath and if it's properly fitting it's not going to impede the forward movement of the shoulders um, it's nice and padded so a little bit better if your dog is like really body sensitive um, and then again it has the front clip it also has the back clip yep and like if with anything it depends like if you bring home a dog and their body language is stiff and they're they seem to be not comfortable i wouldn't start like throwing a harness on them and you know clipping clips so just you know don't take this as gospel like maybe mm -hmm. you bring them home and you use that slip lead for a couple of days yeah you know or you don't use any lead and you just let them in the yard and then they come back in yeah. um and one other thing i was going to say is sarah walsh has a really great video she's got a youtube channel she's an amazing trainer she has a video on how to condition your dog to a harness mm. because you don't want to just slap it on. Um, and you know, I would like use some food and she has, she shows you. So yeah, we've slapped it on Fritz, but we're not going to slap it on a new dog. Other harnesses that are really popular that people love are the perfect fit. Um, I don't use that one very often, but a lot of people rave about it. Similar, um, similar idea to the other two we just talked about. And then I actually work with a dog who wears the, the Alpine harness, and that has been a really nice harness for him. Um, it's padded and comfortable. He's got really short hair and he's very body sensitive. And so it's, it's super comfortable for him. Um, and the other thing about harnesses is, um, you know, you wanna properly desensitize your dog and and get them used to this before you just you know say here this is what we're doing mm -hmm. and we do sometimes use the freedom harness it does impinge the shoulders sometimes but one thing i do like about it is that it tightens on that back clip mm -hmm. so you can use a front and a back clipping leash and that is a nice one for a dog who's a potential flight risk should we talk about leashes next or sure i guess i guess that kind of makes sense um so I'm kind of a leash fanatic. I don't know about you, Em. <laughs> I have a massive leash collection. I did until I found one that I love the most. Yeah. 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 I, ha I have three really that are like my go-to leashes. Um, yeah. My number one, well, it just depends on the situation. But if we're talking about a standard six-foot leash, my go-to is, again, the Blue Nine. Um, mm. It is this leash here is several years old and it's a little bit dirty but like it is in otherwise perfect condition is that the european leash where it's both like clips on both sides yeah so it has two clips and the way i use it is i just you can make a handle it has these other d-rings at different lengths on the leash oh, you can nice. kind of see and you can either use it to make that standard handle mm -hmm. or you can clip it so that it kind of goes like across your body 
if you're tiny. If I put that across my body, <laughs> there'd be nothing. Well, I've got a lot of space. Like, I mean, okay. it's, you know, yeah. so yeah. you can kind of put it over your shoulder like that. And, um, or you can use that to just have a shorter leash. Yeah. Or you could double clip. Could you show how, show on Fritz how you could do a double clip? Oh, totally. Yeah. Um, oh, and it has, it actually has 3D rings. So you can make a much shorter leash. I love that. Oh, now um, I want one. Oh, oh, I think I have an extra. Mm. I will, I'll grab it for you. So showing here on Fritz, you can clip one to his back clip and then one to his front. And now you have a double-sided leash. And that just kind of helps the dog orient in space a little bit. For dogs who are just... Um, Maybe they're big leash pullers or they don't have a ton of body awareness. Um, it just gives them a little feedback when they're on lead. Do you like the double-sided leashes, Em? I do, especially for a new dog that's like never walked on leash. Mm -hmm. It's It can be handy. It's like a horse. You know, I feel yeah. like you have the two reins to kind of have a little more, you know, not, I hate the word control, but just, you know, right. have a little more like, okay, like you can't run in traffic. There's times we do have to be like, there's yeah. going to be some restraints on your movement here. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, okay, I think we should move straight from there to the X-Pen, which is a little bit of a jump, but we might as well get the X-Pen out of the way. Because I do think before you bring I have home more leashes, I've got I've got like oh my god, okay, leashes here. okay, 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 all right, okay, sorry, all right, okay, we'll go back to leashes, okay, um, okay. So another favorite leash is the trail trailblazing trails long line, and again, okay. um, we have an episode about this leash, about these leashes, but again, it's adjustable. I think this one's about ten feet long, um. But you can buy these in all sorts of configurations. Um, and again, it has like these little rings at different lengths. So you can shorten it, lengthen it, um, that. add a handle, use it double-sided style. And the great thing about these um, are that they're made of biothane, which is a really, really awesome material. Um, it's like a rubberized almost rather than that woven webbing. And so they're really easy to keep clean. Um, and I, love those. I find that they don't tangle as bad as some other leashes. Yeah. Um, when I took Daisy to Moab, I learned that it they don't pick up those tiny little uh, cactus spines that mm. her other leashes picked up. So that's nice. If you're in that kind yeah. of environment. My favorite leash I used to have multiple leashes that I loved, but my favorite is this Trailblazing Tails Biothane Leash. Mm -hmm. And it's just a simple one that's, I think this one is eight feet long. And mm -hmm. I love the eight foot because I do live in suburbia. So it gives just a little bit more than a six foot, but I feel like it's not like a 10 foot that you could get, you know, like we don't even have sidewalks in my suburban mm -hmm. area. So, yeah. you know. I kind of need my dogs to be somewhat close, but then we go to the park and the eight feet makes it nice for them to have some agency and some sniffing. Yeah. So I love that leash. It's really great. Um, yeah, we'll put links to these too in, in the show notes as well as the episodes where we've talked in more depth about this stuff. Okay, so yes, like Em just said, 
yeah, we are, we consider ourselves to be force free, but at a certain point you have to have some control over your dog. You have to restrict their freedom a little bit to keep them safe. Um, another way we do that sometimes is X pens. You want to talk about your X pen? Oh yes. So baby gates, um, I would always prepare a baby gated room, um, with like a real baby gate that like jams in the door. And then I love having X pens around. So this is an X pen. I don't know if you can see it, but it, it's just this like metal um, and it unfolds like in an accordion and you can put it up to like block off a room. You can block off your kitchen. If the dog is getting into the trash, you can block off your living room. If they're pooping on your rug in there, it's a great way to manage their environment because that's like one of the number one things is that we want to put them in situations where they can be successful. So let's say, you have a rug in your living room that's wall-to-wall -wall carpeting and it has a couple of smells of poop on it from previous dogs. No matter how well you scrub that room, that carpet is going to be a deterrence to your house training. So, you know, block off that room with an X-Pen. If you have two dogs in the house, you can create areas. Or if you have children in the house, just creating areas with an X-Pen is so handy. And I think if you go to like Petco or on Amazon, um, you know, you can get them for like $50. They're not that expensive. Yeah, they're available at most big box pet stores. <laughs> My, I never, I didn't have an X-Pen because I used baby gates and other ways to manage the environment for all of my fosters. Um, but I finally got one um, on this Moab trip. We were taking Daisy with us to Moab and I was thinking, thinking, thinking like, how am I going to manage her environment while we're out camping and blah, blah, blah. I was like, I need an, I really need an X pen. And I made Jason pull off I-70 in Grand Junction and go to the Petco in Grand Junction nice. <laughs> to get yeah. an X pen. But it's, it's so handy. It's so useful. We use it in the summertime. Uh, we put it, um, you know, if Jason's working in the garage with the garage door open, we put it across the front of the garage door so Daisy can be out there, she can be with him, but she's not going to run out the garage door. Um, and like Emily mentioned, it's super, super important if you have other dogs in the home to create space um, to do those slow introductions that we recommend. We didn't talk about crating. Um, I'm not as big of a fan of crating as I used to be, but I do like metal crates more than plastic. I used to like plastic, but they're hot. They're confining. They're mm -hmm. not really my favorite. Yeah. Um, so I like the big metal ones. Yeah. Well, and an important thing to say about crates, especially when we're talking about rescue dogs, is that they are very, very important for transport. Um, yep. safely transporting your dog is crucial. Like we said, you know, to, in order to rescue the dog, we have to get them home safely. So using, using crates during transport in the car, those are all times when crating is like absolutely appropriate and necessary. Um, I, I still use, it's, it's not plastic. I don't know exactly what the material is, but I still use a plastic type crate in the car. Um, but we don't use a crate at home anymore. Mm -hmm. And I think some dogs like everything, it depends. Mm -hmm. Some dogs need a crate because they're, you know, chewing electrical cords. And right. so I would go on Sarah Walsh's YouTube channel and learn how to crate train your dog. Um, 
you know, puppies should be crated. I think it's a good, it's a good safety tool and a good skill to have. It just depends. Yeah. Yeah. No. And I'm, you know, I think that crating, like you said, it's an important skill to have. If your dog ever has to spend the night at the vet, they're going to be in a crate. And if you can make that a positive experience for them, if you can desensitize them to the crate, teach them how to be in a crate, um, to have, you know, to deal with that confinement, uh, they're going to handle that better in the future. And if you start out, you know, it's much easier to start out creating positive associations than it is to change a negative association. That's So true. Plus, I think it's a good practice to create train yeah, just yeah, so they have that skill. yeah. Plus, you know, we're, we're trying to help this family right now because their dog bit their grandchild over the holidays when their son was sitting at the counter having food and the toddler was crawling around on the floor. The dog was near the food. Some food had grabbed, like dropped on the floor. The toddler grabbed the dog. The dog turned around, bit the kid. You know, if you have a crate and that dog loves crates, put the dog in the crate when the sun's eating. Like it just makes an easy, like, what, where do I put the dog? Oh, you put it in the crate because it loves the crate. So Right. it is a handy tool. It Yeah. really is. Yeah, we talk a lot about um, managing dogs and kids. Um, and when you can't provide active supervision of the dog and the child, they need to be separated. And whether that's an X-Pen or a crate, having something that your dog is comfortable going behind, you know, behind the baby gate, behind the X-Pen, into the crate, um, it's going to keep everybody safer. I agree. So I guess I am a proponent of crates. <laughs> We're not a proponent of leaving your dog in a crate all day. You Yeah. know, I think And it's I important don't think to it's say mandatory. that. Yeah. No. Like, I don't think it's like every dog has to be crated. We used to be like, you have to crate your dog was our policy like 10 years ago. And now we're like, kind of depends. Mm You know, if it's an eight year old dog, maybe not, Mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Yeah. So th those are some of the tools we use to manage our dogs' environments. Um, what else, Em? Well, um, I did bring this just a handy, this is spray shield, which Ooh. I just thought would be a good thing for people to know about. Like if you're going to be taking your dog out Mm hmm and you're worried, you can get this on Amazon. It's like, I think $12 citronella scented animal deterrent spray. It's really just a good thing to have somewhere in your house in case there's a dog fight, which I hate to say, you know, sometimes happens very rare. But your X-Pen can fall down. Your baby gate can fall down. You have a dog fight. Don't stick your hands in it. Go grab your spray, you know, or throw a blanket over them. Yeah. Doesn't happen very often, but good to have. Yeah. Or what were And you going that's to say? something that I carry with me on walks as well in case Mm-hmm. um, an off-leash dog runs up on us and starts something. Or where I live, there's coyotes. I mean, Yep. we come across, if you saw our, our reel on Instagram, I mean, there's a coyote living in our back field right now. And if that coyote comes too close, like, yeah. Oh yeah. You know, we got to keep, we got to keep everybody safe. So. Everybody's safe. So I do love having at least one spray shield around. I do bring it on my walks as well because of off-leash dogs. I've never had to use it, but Mm -hmm. I have it. It's one Yep. of those things. It's Yep. like a seatbelt. Yep. Same. Yep. Same. Okay. Okay. Now here's, okay. Here's my favorite training tool. Yes. <laughs>
This is where we keep the spray shield. Yes. In our treat pouch. Treat pouch. (laughs) Doggone good. It's the way. This thing's filthy. It needs to go in the wash. Oh, so is mine. And this is old. Like, this thing is at least 10 years old, you guys. I Um, love that. They last forever. They really do. And I even have, I have two of them. I do too. The same, the doggone good. There are lots of treat pouches out there. Um, So let me back up and say why I love treat pouches. And this is honestly, this is my favorite training tool. Me too. If I could only like take one thing away from all of this besides a harness and a leash, maybe it would be a training pouch, a treat pouch. Um, Having reinforcement easily accessible is so important for training and for the success of your dog, whether it is um, uh, counter conditioning out on walks to scary things in their environment, teaching them how to walk on leash, um, rewarding them, you know, doing mat training when you're in the kitchen and you want them to go to their designated spot, having easy access to reinforcement is, it's, it makes the whole process so much easier and more successful. I love tree pouches. I don't leave home without my tree pouch and it's nope. usually full to the brim. Yep. Yep. I always bring like a third more than I think I need mm-hmm. just so I don't run out. Yeah. Same. And I've used other tree pouches, but I always come back to this doggone good. Um, and I don't know if it's just because I'm so used to it and I'm so used to easily sticking my hand in there and getting the treat. It's just like muscle memory at this point. Um, but it kind of, it stays open. It's the staying open that is key. Like a lot of my clients will end up with these like floppy tree pouches that like clip on their waist. Because one other thing I love about it is this strap. Mm -hmm. So like you're not like clipping it and then fumbling. There's not a lot of fumbling. Right. Really. So listeners, if you're if you're listening and not watching, there's it comes with a strap that goes around your waist. So you just clip it around your waist, kind of like a fanny pack. Yeah, I do love it. Now I'm gonna surprise you with. A, a second runner up to the dog. Okay. All right. Okay. It's Wait gotta be good. It. <laughs> it's gotta be good. It is a rough wear fanny pack. Oh, okay. Yeah. All she, right. She must turn me onto this. I don't know if you guys can see it because there's uh-huh. like weird lighting in here, but there it is. Okay. Rough wear. I can see it. Yeah. Okay. And yeah, you just can't see me very well because the lighting, but it's bigger. It's like a real old fashioned fanny pack mm-hmm. and it has a front pocket nice where you can put oh look i have money in there <laughs> yay okay so you could put your money your keys there's a little clippy thing for your keys nice okay um, is it big enough to hold a phone wait for it wait for it the back oh has, the back has a little place <gasps> for your phone which is That's nice cool. so, your, so your phone doesn't have to be like in with treats okay because i have gone into t-mobile and been like my phone's <laughs> not working anymore because the plug is filled with food (laughs) and then it has who are you it has this big middle section which Uh i don't know if you can see and then like an extra spot for someone who doesn't have a lot of treats okay but what i do and you really can't see well but what i do is i have like my higher value in the little pouch Mm -hmm. and then the big pouch is filled with like my real meat or you know like whatever that zini peaks or you know lots Uh of different treats there's like a little Mm -hmm. smorgasbord in there and then i might have like a little bit of like chicken in that Mm -hmm. top teeny pouch nice that's really smart it's it's pretty great and it's like solid you could have your spray your poop bags everything nice okay i might have to check that one out 
the visual is not so good but we can put a link to it in the show notes nice okay we'll do that yeah um yeah so i the tree pout like yeah you can put treats in your pocket you can carry a plastic baggie but again it's the fumbling that mm -hmm. i i can't deal with it so yeah i and clean mechanics it's so important yes yep um it helps me just reinforce i especially when i'm teaching loose leash walking reinforcing in the same place every single time right on my left side the dog knows okay oh this is where the reinforcement is coming um and having that treat pouch and having those mechanics clean um is super helpful yeah fumbling so is a problem yeah well and you know i i used to worry about like looking dorky um but now i you know like in the summer i wear i think i'm going like two or three fanny packs at a time now <laughs> because i have my treat pouch and then i have a fanny pack with water in it and a bowl and all sorts of things and fanny packs are coming back in style anyway so um you know it just shows your commitment to your dog exactly oh yeah <laughs> it's back in fashion <laughs> all right all right um oh okay so something else while we're talking about what we carry in our treat pouch this is another one of my favorite training tools mm. clicker do you love the clicker i love the clicker um so this one there are different types of clickers this one's the eye click um you can also there are the box clicker is kind of the original clicker um they make a ring I find clicker it's too loud i yeah don't like the box clicker yeah um they make a ring clicker now um but this is um a marker or a bridge and this is basically how you tell your dog what was the thing that just gave me that just earned me that treat mm -hmm. so um one of my personal favorite training tools. You can also also use a word, you know, um, like yes or a tongue click. Um, but for some people, a clicker is more accessible. For some people, you know, using your voice is more accessible. Yep. And again, if you want to know more about clicker training, either listen to former episodes or go over to Sarah Walsh's YouTube channel. Don't you think? Yeah, totally. She has like how to use a clicker. Yeah. Yeah. We're not going to go in depth, I think, on any of these really here, but, um, you know. And then I was thinking we should talk about like what we put in said Mm. treat pouch. Totally. All right. What do you have Here's... there? I didn't bring up a lot of treats. I'm up in my bedroom, but this is Happy Howie's Roll, which I think is super affordable and Hmm. it's technically food. I mean, I, I don't think I'd want to like only feed my dog this, but it, it cuts up really nice. You can make it really small because small is key and it stays hard. Like it doesn't turn into just a big blob of mush. So I really crumble like Happy into Howie's. little pieces yeah Yeah. yeah it's So. like it comes in a this sausage roll if you're listening to the podcast it comes in like a sausage kind of roll like summer sausage or something and then you just slice it and then cut off little pieces um it does need to be refrigerator refrigerated um so once you open it um so what i do is i just keep my entire treat pouch in my fridge <laughs> I just come back Yes, from a walk me too. and I stick the whole thing in the fridge. So whether I have chicken or hot dogs or happy Howie's or whatever in there, it's fine. I love that. You know, one thing I forgot to bring up was Mm -hmm. I have these little silicon pouches that in those in the summer Yeah. I use in my, you know, because like, I don't really want chicken just like free floating in the pouch. That's Yeah. kind of gross, Yeah. you know, so Yeah. 
and That's and then I could just kind of have it in the fridge. So mm-hmm. you can buy those. I can't even remember the name, but you can buy them online. We put them in the show notes, but a silicon mm-hmm. pouch is really nice because same thing. It stays open right in the doggone good yeah. pouch. So mm-hmm. you don't have any fumbling. It's not right. a soft silicon pouch. It's like fairly hard silicon. Yeah. Um. So while we're talking about treats, one of my favorites um, is the Real Meat brand. Um, and I always buy the food because it's it's actually food quality. It's like you're feeding, you're not feeding your dog treats. You're just feeding them food. <laughs> yeah. um, but they come in little, little squares like this. And then there's, what I love about them is that they're super easy to break tiny little pieces off. So you can get that teeny tiny little piece to reinforce because we want these, you know, we want the reinforcement to be a little bit, you yep. know, you're not feeding them extra cups of food every day. Yep. Teeny tiny, tons We're... of teeny tiny little yep. rewards. Yep. And they're super high value for dogs. Um, they have different protein formulas. So if you have a dog who's sensitive to chicken, you can get the beef, you can get the lamb. Um, yep. And um, and it's nutritionally balanced. So I just kind of subtract some food from Daisy's meal, regular meals, and we make up for it in training. Yep. Zeewee Peaks is similar. You can mm-hmm. get that on Amazon or at your local pet supply store. Mm-hmm. It's from New Zealand and it's like nice little squares. It's a little harder to break up, but just mm-hmm. a touch harder. Yeah. And I, I can get like four pieces out of one Zeewee Peak square. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, word to the wise, don't leave a bag open in your car in the summer. <laughs> Yes. Because <laughs> they are stinky, you guys. They're stinky, which oh is great for the dogs, but <laughs> you don't want to come back after a hike it's to an open bag true. of seaweed. <laughs> oh, my God. My mechanic actually was like, I think something died in your car. <laughs> they were like, are was you it sure just you... dog treats? Like, are you sure you want to fix the shifter because there's something dead in your car mm-hmm. and, and we don't know how to get it out? And I was like, oh, it was the middle of summer. I'm like, I think it might actually just be like, let me go look. And I looked mm-hmm. through and it was a bag of treats in the back. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh my God. So We're dog rescuers. Of course we have random bags of treats all over our cars. <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh my gosh. Okay. All right. And All right. What's next on our little list here? Okay. I think we're getting to the end, but I yeah. got like enrichment things for yes. this new dog. So mm-hmm. you bring the dog in. Like we've said a million times, you don't want to start, like, ideally, you don't really want to take it for a real walk out in the neighborhood Mm-mm. for a couple of weeks. It depends on the dog, you mm-hmm. know, but it depends on age and what their previous learning history was and how freaked out they seem. So, you know, and do you have a yard? If you don't have a yard, obviously you have to walk it. So all of this is, you depends, but having things that your dog can do in the house, so handy. Mm-hmm. I love this. It's the topple. Yes, and the West Paw Topple. West Paw Topple. You can um, put it together for a more challenging project. I wouldn't start there. I would probably start with, like, for a small dog, the small. Mm-hmm. And for the large dog, the large. And I usually, like, mix up kibble with wet food or pumpkin. And then the first few times I don't freeze it because mm-hmm. you don't want to start hard. No. These are dogs that have not had to try hard to 
you know, like they, they don't always know how to like keep trying right. and they'll get frustrated. So, yeah. um, but then freeze it down the road. It's great. Mm-hmm. I love, I love that. What do you have, yes. Libby? Um, yeah, I, I love the topple too. That's one of my favorites. Um, I also like the Kong style where it's yes. a, I didn't bring one up here with me, but um, where it's a slightly smaller opening, a little more narrow. It's just a different type of challenge for the dog. But again, I love to fill those with, um, I use wet food. I mix some kibble in there, pumpkin, um, a little like low-fat yogurt not mm-hmm. with you have to read the labels just make sure it's just plain unflavored unsweetened yogurt um but those are all kind of things that you can use and and i like using different flavors different textures all of that is interesting you know and all of that is enriching for your dog to oh okay this is something new um so i i love kongs i have a big collection um i have a little routine of when it's Kong filling day, I just get them all out on my counter and it's just like assembly line style. I just fill everything. Um, I will even take the the little crumbs at the bottom of a bag of treats and Mm. dump that in there. So it's like, oh, okay, something a little, you know, a little less waste, Um, make it a little more interesting and exciting for Daisy. Um, So, yeah. I love that. Uh, we also do licky mats. We love licky mats. Do you have a licky mat? I have a licky mat. It kind of looks like honeycomb. That's a licky mat. So it's like a silicone mat with little depressions in it where you spread that wet food or yogurt or pumpkin or whatever you're using. Um, and then the dog licks essentially to get it out. Mm-hmm. I love that. Be cautious using peanut butter. One thing we have not mm. mentioned is peanut butter, but mm-hmm. apparently it's high in saturated fat and can lead to pancreatitis. So use that sparingly, you know, mm-hmm. like a little bit of peanut butter is fine, but don't like do an entire Kong full of peanut butter. Yeah, that's way, yeah, that's way too much. I mean, even for a human, I think a serving size of peanut butter is like a tablespoon or two tablespoons or something okay. like that. So if your dog is uh doing a little back of the napkin math here daisy is one third my size i don't know i don't okay yeah <laughs> like a serving size of peanut butter for her would be a teaspoon you know right yeah um and then the and you also have thing... to be careful of xylitol in peanut butter oh, that is Definitely. so true xylitol. Read labels. Read super labels. deadly so and then one thing we're actually going to do an entire episode on stool in your new dog with our veterinarian <laughs> But you don't want to like throw like 18 different treats and food products and wet food at your mm-hmm. new dog and have liquid poo in the middle of the night. So yeah. Yeah. all of this is like use your best judgment and watch their poop and kind of make sure you're not overloading their very sensitive, stressed out intestinal system that's probably never been given rich food before. Oh, yeah, quite totally. Possibly. Yeah, totally. That's why I love canned food, because you can usually find a canned formulation of whatever dry food they're getting. And mm. it's the same protein. Um, it just has more moisture in it. And yeah. that's a great starting place. Um, pumpkin, pumpkin is, pumpkin is yeah. also pretty neutral and it, it helps with the digestion because it has so much fiber. Yeah. So, and Alishava talks about like using their kibble, soaking it and then throwing it in a Cuisinart. Mm-hmm. That's a little above my pay grade, but at least <laughs> soaking it, you could probably soak it 
and then put it in a Kong or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah. Just soak it for, you know, I don't I don't know how how long. long. Yeah. I would imagine, I think if I was doing this, I would probably like pour some hot water on it, let it sit for an hour, and then you, you could probably smear it on the inside of a yeah. Kong. That's pretty easy, especially for dogs great. who have food sensitivities. Mm -hmm. One thing I want to mention about licky mats is, um, and, and all of these toys, actually, uh, the first time you ever use them, make sure you're supervising your dog. Um, I learned this the hard way that Daisy will destroy and consume a licky mat <laughs> of mm -hmm. any style. They make like the super chewer licky mat. She'll eat that. She doesn't eat a Kong. She doesn't destroy Kongs or topples, but for some reason, something about licky mats, she will tear that up. Um, so always make sure that you are supervising your new dog when you first give them these enrichment toys, uh, just so until you're certain that they're not going to destroy yeah. and consume them. And this is where that X-Pen comes in handy also is these are really high value things potentially. And you could have a resource garter, which is a totally natural behavior to guard resources. Mm -hmm. So if you see any stiffness, you know, any, any signs of stress in your dog, leave them alone. And I would probably just always be preventative and have like, give all these things either in a crate or in an X pen. Mm -hmm. So that they have their own space and they can eat it without feeling like, oh my God, someone's going to take this most amazing thing. Right. Totally agree. All right. So other essentials. Um, oh, I brought a towel. Oh, that's a mat. Okay. Yeah. Right. I brought a towel. So too, but... this is a yeah. bath mat and it's just like the super basic cheap one from Ikea. I love um, that. This particular one, but you can use any kind of mat that works for you but mat training again something we've talked about on the podcast before is super useful it's a super useful skill for any dog but especially a dog coming into your home for the first time um, giving them a place where they can lay down it's their spot um, they're going to be reinforced there they're going to get good things happen on the mat um, it's just really, really useful. I use I use mat training the most in my daily life in the kitchen um, mm -hmm. because Daisy will be right underfoot <laughs> if I'm working in the kitchen, if I'm, you know, uh, making a sandwich or um, cooking meat on the stove, she will be right there. And that's not safe for anybody. So we do mat training um, and her designated spot in the kitchen is on her mat. Yeah, yeah, that's great. How do you use mat training for, for new fosters? Uh, you know, I think it's a nice place for dogs to know, like first I introduced the idea of like, this is where you're supposed to be. And mm -hmm. I think it's really helpful when like hubbub starts happening. So like the kitchen mm -hmm. or if somebody comes in, be like, okay, this is where you're supposed to be. And I'm going to reinforce you for being on the mat yeah. as opposed to like having them be out, like just jumping on people, mm -hmm. you know, or, mm -hmm. you know, getting their noses into places where people are annoyed. So, and then also taking that mat into new, as you're doing socialization, I love taking that mat that they have a positive association with and they know what to do to someplace really quiet, putting the mat down and letting them watch. I'm a big fan yeah. of world watching. Mm -hmm. And then having that mat really shows them like, this is where you're supposed to be. That PPPs of Kimbrophy, the predictable mm. Patterns of precedent. Yeah. 
creating something that like they know the more that they know what's happening the more calm they're going to be just like mm -hmm. with us so mm -hmm. take out the mat and it's like oh i'm supposed to lay on this and then i reward them for being on the mat and they can watch whatever's happening in the environment yeah i love that yeah. super useful mm -hmm. way to use a mat in with your rescue dog before we started recording we talked about muzzles and i have a muzzle up here but i think Having a muzzle and muzzle training your dog is a little more involved uh, because this is a piece of equipment that you really want to properly desensitize and create that um, condition, positive condition, emotional response in your dog. And so it's not something that you just want to slap on your brand new foster or your brand new rescue. Mm -hmm. um, and we'll put a link in the show notes to the muzzle up project. Um, because that's a really great resource that teaches people a, how to select, um, the right type of muzzle, how to fit a muzzle, and then how to, um, train your dog to wear the muzzle and be happy and comfortable about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's, it's a, a useful to tool. About. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I wouldn't recommend it for everybody necessarily like blanket recommendation. Yeah. It's just good to know about and yeah and destigmatize totally yeah yeah wouldn't be bad to have one like if you had time if you had your foster for a long time introduce them to the concept because a lot of times dogs don't get conditioned to a muzzle at home and then you know they step on a nail or something happens and they go to the vet and the vet just slaps one on mm -hmm. and like which is totally understandable right. um and that's their first experience. So it is nice. Yeah. It's in the perfect world. We would all condition our dogs to muzzles mm -hmm. before they're needed. Agreed. Agreed. It's it's kind of like the crating conversation of yes. it's better to have that positive association and have that skill before you need it than it is to be in an oh, oh, darn, oh, I don't know yeah. if I can yeah. say that word on. You too. Darn is fine. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Be in an oh darn situation when <laughs> you wish that your dog uh, could comfortably wear a muzzle. Yeah. So let us know. Drop a comment. Tell us what your crucial rescue dog equipment is. Um, if you have any further questions about all this stuff. And yeah, we hope to hear from you. And um, yeah. yeah. And if you like our content, please hit follow wherever you listen to your podcasts or watch your podcasts because we are probably wrapping up season four in yes. the next yep. couple of weeks. Mm -hmm. We probably have a couple more weeks or months. Mm -hmm. um, but then, you know, you want to stay attuned because we will be back. We yeah, are not going to stop yeah. doing this until we cover every single topic. <laughs> which is... and There's a lot to talk about. Yeah. Um, and we're new to this YouTube thing, obviously, but uh, we're working on getting our, our back catalog up on YouTube if you're a YouTube listener. So definitely subscribe and stay tuned. All right. Thanks, folks, for tuning in, and we will see you next time. Thanks for tuning in. If you liked this episode, don't forget to rate and review. It helps other folks like you find the show. Thanks to Mike Pesci for the original music and James Ede of Be Heard for production. For show notes and transcripts, visit poddotherescue.com. Let us know what you think about this episode on social media. We're at Pod to the Rescue on Facebook and Instagram, and we love connecting with listeners. We'll catch you next time on Pod to the Rescue.
Oh, and tell your dog we said hi. <laughs>